Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with the Tutor Podcast, talking on common sense about how to start, grow and love your tutoring, teaching and coaching business. Now, today we're returning to the subject of money and particularly the attitudes in our days about money. Because how you think about money can have massive consequences for your business and your financial well-being. Just getting your head straight about money is absolutely vital to your success and to your happiness. Now, if your belief systems around money aren't helping you, they're surely hurting you, period. If you don't manage and master what you think and believe about money, success and wealth, you'll go along with any old ideas that float into your mind from any old source. So unless you're surrounded by happy, healthy, successful people, you'll absorb and apply the money beliefs of everybody else and whatever media you get your daily dose of bad news from. Now, I've been prompted to return to the subject of money because a couple of days ago I was talking with a friend of mine about getting her tutoring business off the ground. And I was reminded about what my own attitude to money was and all the unhelpful beliefs I used to have about wealth and wealthy people in particular. My friend's a retired teacher and we've recently become business partners in a property investment joint venture company using my experience of buying investment properties and her savings to build a portfolio of rental properties which will give her a return on investment many times higher than she'd get by leaving her money in the bank while I do all the work. And that's the rub. I do all the work and she makes more money. What a great problem to have. But why is it a problem and how do I know that? I think it was when she said she didn't want to be filthy rich again and then went on to tell me how immoral it seems to be well paid for doing no work. We had what I've come to call the money talk. It's a conversation we should all have with ourselves on a regular basis and with our business partners and associates and our kids, especially if we're carrying around a bunch of unhelpful and probably untrue ideas about money. And the money talks a conversation I've had with myself repeatedly over the years because I grew up with some pretty unhelpful beliefs about money and about wealthy people. And the chances are that you'll recognise some of them in your own life too. And over time, I've worked hard and developed different beliefs about money, about the people who have money and about becoming one of those people. That process started when it finally dawned on me that without a positive attitude towards money and wealth, I'd probably never have any. I certainly wouldn't have become financially free or be in the position I'm in now where I don't have to work anymore. You see, I don't work for the money anymore. I work for the fun of it. And I have choices now that I never thought I'd have if I hadn't changed my ideas about money. So let's dive in and drag some of the common misconceptions about money into the light and see if we can punch them in the head, kick them in the nuts and get rid of them to find out if they're helpful and they're harmful for us in our business and personal lives. Now, I think it's vitally important to get very clear about what money is. This was something nobody explained to me as a kid, so I grew up thinking that money was rare and special. But the truth is, the money these days is just an illusion. 
It's numbers on a, on a computer screen. That's it. That's all it is. It's essentially just a social agreement. And nothing stands behind the idea of money but the word of a government. And let me ask you something. When was the last time you believed a single word that came out of a politician's mouth? You don't have an answer for that, do you? Been a long time. Now, money is just a way of storing value. Now, it's simple to say that cash on deposit in the bank is easier to safeguard than having to stand with a, a big sword or a big gun guarding your little pile of gold like some bizarre ancient dragon. So as well as storing value, money's a great mechanism for exchanging value with very little friction. Now, it's easier to transfer money via your phone app or your computer than it is to barter someone with a bale of hay or a sheep or a goat or something in exchange. Now, let's face it, you can't put a pig in your wallet. Now, the idea of money being scarce for me was something that I never really questioned, but it's become absolutely obvious recently that money's everywhere. It's plentiful. Perhaps it's even infinite. Because all the money that we know these days is completely made up. It really is monopoly money. But what I think money really is, is a byproduct of excellence. The best way to get more money is to become more valuable and get paid what you're worth. Because people won't give you money if you're not worth anything. So if you don't get enough money, ask yourself, what are you worth? And then work like crazy to be worth more, to earn more and receive more. Money in itself is simply a resource for good or, or bad. It's neutral all by itself. It can only amplify who you are. If you're a tosser, money can simply amplify how much of a tosser you are by enabling you to do more of what makes you a tosser in the first place. Likewise, if you're a good person, money will amplify that which is in you that's good and enable you to do more of what makes you good. It's, it's a simple tool. So what isn't money? And most of this, frankly, is political spin. A lot of which I picked up as a kid was from my dad, who was a union rep and a socialist who thought that anybody who had more money than him was exploiting either him or someone else. Now, governments and churches have been playing this game forever. So it's not a modern phenomenon. You've probably heard phrases like filthy lucre, filthy rich, dirty money. And of course, there are all sorts of organisations and religions and charlatans of every stripe who are happy to relieve you of that dirty burden. So give us your dirty money and we'll have a word with the big guy and we'll make sure you're safe. They peddle the idea that money is the root of all evil. The old line about it's easier for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven and the, the camel that goes along with that. They tell you that money's immoral. But remember, it's a neutral tool. That's all. A knife, for instance, is a neutral tool. It can kill or it can perform life saving surgery it's neutral either way it's what you do with it i used to be told that money was hard to get but if you look around it's actually raining money so if you haven't already got one build yourself a money bucket write yourself a book write some music write some ip 
start a business, buy an investment property, do something. And when that's working well, go and build yourself another bucket and let it fill up with money. And then another. Rinse and repeat. I used to be told that money was scarce, that there wasn't much of it around. But let's be straight about this. They just keep making more of it up because all money's made up anyway. And if it's fictitious money, don't we have infinite supply? That's why I'm always smile when I hear the phrase quantitative easing. It's just a euphemism for making more pretend money. And I think if you have that reality in your back pocket, you'll never be afraid of not having any of what doesn't exist. So overall, money, whether it's good or it's bad, it's neutral. It's all made up and depends on how you use it, whether it's good or bad. Now, what I didn't learn at school is there are basic rules to getting wealthy. Just like any sport, any game, there are rules. And not knowing the rules will ensure you can't play the game successfully or effectively. So rule one, be real. Assess your situation. You don't have as much money as you want. You're not going where you want to be. Have a look at what you're doing and start to change things. You must learn to manage your money. Now, however much or however little money you have, you must learn how to handle it. Rule three, simple, spend less than you earn. Do I really need to elaborate on that? I don't think so. I'm probably talking to intelligent people. Rule four, pay yourself first before you pay anyone or anything else. Save or invest, predetermined percentage of your paycheck or your income into a separate bank account or an investment vehicle every week or every month. Start with 1%. Go to 2%, 3%, 4%. Over time, you won't miss 1%, I promise you, but it's a start. And like a wedge that builds up over time, 1% become 2%, 3 4 The moment I probably save or invest 75 to 80% of everything I earn, built up over time. And when I'm investing, it just pays back more money. It's not that hard to understand. Begin with 1% per day. Set up a separate bank account for your savings. Now, if you're active in the field of wealth creation or investment, you must learn all about money. Read books about it. Think about it. Listen to podcasts about it. Educate yourself. Don't go blundering in with no understanding of the reality of what's going on. Rule six. You must know the difference between assets and liabilities. An asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes it away. It's that simple. So cut your liabilities and buy assets instead. A liability might be a new car. When you could go and spend the money for that fancy Porsche you always wanted and make a deposit on an investment property that will pay you an income for the foreseeable future. That's way more intelligent than buying a car that's going to depreciate thousands of pounds every year, cost a fortune to run, and have service bills that will simply vaporise your bank account. I remember sitting inside a beautiful Miami Blue Porsche Cayman at the Porsche dealership in Wolverhampton and thinking, this is a house. 
this is something that I can invest in for my son, for my future. Why would I want to buy this tin box? I already have a Roadster. And I didn't buy the Porsche, but I did put the money to use to buy another house. So where are we at? We're now at rule seven. Make money work for you. Invest in income generating assets. Do not buy liabilities that eat up your money. Simply an expansion of rule number six. Know the difference and make them work for you, not against you. And finally, develop more than one source of income. That's that bucket I was talking about, because if it's raining money, get multiple buckets. Common sense, right? The more buckets you have, the better it goes for you. Currently, I've got tutoring. I've got two property businesses. One's a joint venture. One's completely my own name. I've got books, music royalties, courses. I do a little bit of affiliate marketing. Don't have a day job any longer, but I do buy and sell musical instruments. So there's lots of opportunities around for us to make more and more money. And the more you do it, the easier it gets, particularly the passive income stuff, which once it's set up will run itself forever. Okay, moving on. One of the big moments in my life was realizing the combined effects of compound interest and inflation. This is a double whammy of ideas that it just knocked me out. I already understood compound interest from school. And of course, I knew about inflation from the TV news. But what blew me away was the combined power of compound interest and the effects of inflation. Now, in essence, compound interest grows your money and gains momentum over time. And it works like this. Let's say at the start of year one, I've got a thousand pounds in a high interest bank account and I receive an interest rate of 10%. I can dream, can't I? Well, in the first year, the £1,000 earns me £100 in interest. So at the end of the year, I've got £1,100 in the bank. So far, so good. I let it roll, and then the next year, that £1,100 earns another 10%. But not of £1,000, but 10% of £1,100. So I earn £110 interest. Pretty cool. At the end of the second year, the balance in the account will be £1,210. And I'll let it roll. So by the end of year three, I'll receive interest of 121 So I've got a total of £1,331. And so it goes. Every year the cash in the bank increases and earns a little more interest. Add into the bank balance and earning even more interest. And if I can add to the amount on deposit every year, then the amount in the bank gets bigger, earns more interest than the year before. And in this case, time is my friend. The bad news is that debt will compound exactly the same way. Unless you get rid of it, it will compound and become larger every year by greater and greater amounts. Now, if that's a good debt, it's a good thing. If it's a bad debt, it's a terrible thing. And I'll be looking at good debt and bad debt in a second. Now, inflation compounds in exactly the same way, in a negative fashion. It eats away year on year at the spending power of your money, making the pound in your pocket worth less and less every year. In this scenario, 
inflation and time is your enemy. But there's a flip side to inflation, and this is rarely understood. It's that whilst inflation erodes the value of a debt in exactly the same way, the value of the amount to be paid off on redemption of a debt is massively reduced by inflation. So let's say I'd taken a mortgage out 20 years ago and I wanted to repay it today, and it was a 100 grand mortgage. Now, a 100 grand mortgage 20 years ago was a lot of money. These days, not such a large amount. Because inflation has eroded the value of that £100,000. So that £100,000 20 years ago, probably worth 150, 160 grand in today's money. Maybe more. So when you add the positive effect of compounding investment and the compounding erosion of the value of debt, you'd be right. They're absolutely multiplying one another's effect over time. And that's why it's vitally important to understand the two types of debt. Good debt and bad debt. Now, this concept was a really big deal for me because I'd been told as a kid that all debt was bad and I should never owe anybody anything. Fantastic. If you've got tons of money. You see, I didn't understand that bad debt is what you owe to pay for liabilities. Your cars, your home, your jewellery, your bling, whatever you want to call it. And good debt is what you owe to purchase money making assets. For instance, the mortgage on a property you rent out, licensing for some intellectual property, a loan to start or buy a business and so on. So a good debt is a debt that costs you less than the income it permits you to generate. So if I can finance a house purchase at 3%, say, and I can get a return on cash investment of 10 to 15 percent, I'll just keep doing that over and over and over again. A bad debt would have been that Porsche, not the house I bought with it. So understand the difference between good and bad debt and put it to work for you. All the time you're doing this, you should be developing a positive money mindset. You see, when I was growing up, nobody talked about money. The people around me talked a lot about not having any money. So being broke was pretty much normal. But as I began to understand money and find out a bit more, then things started to change. You must understand money. You must find out as much as you can about it. Read the biographies of wealthy people, investors, business people, and learn to love and respect money. If you don't respect it, you'll never hold on to it. As I said before, you must know the rules of the game. Don't guess. Ask experts. Read books. Listen to podcasts. And talk to the wealthiest people, and the most successful people you know. Because they love to bring other people forward. The nicest people I've ever met have all been wealthy people. At the other end of the social scale, the skint people tend to be a lot less pleasant. That's going to upset some people. Deal with it.
then embrace the tax system. Make Johnny Taxman your friend. Because if you understand how the tax system works, you can learn how to minimize how much tax you pay legally. Remember, you are only obligated to pay the minimum amount of tax required by law. There is no moral high ground in overpaying tax to a greedy government who will only squander it. Invest in understanding tax. Build your business and structure your business to keep as much money as possible in your pocket and not give it to the tax man. Personally, I spent 1500 quid on a weekend intensive tax workshop with a guy called Shaz Noir as a fantastic tax accountant. The return on investment on that 1500 quid is off the scale. I would calculate that over the next 15 years, that's probably going to be worth 3.5 to 4.3 million pounds in savings to me. That's ridiculous. <sighs> Gotta love tax. <laughs> Don't take money advice from people who have no money. God's sake, if it's the man down the pub who's skint and pissed off, don't listen to him talking about how crap life is and how hard money is to come by. It seems so obvious, doesn't it? Get away from skint people. Get around people who understand money and have money because it'll rub off on you. Value money and you'll attract more of it to you. Just like a person who you could attract or repel, money seems to go where it's wanted. And make a conscious choice between having money and not having money. Which do you think is going to make you happier? I've been reasonably wealthy. I've been skinned. I know which was more fun. Then, when you've got money, use your money for good by your own standards. If you have money, you can help more people than if you're skinned. Remember, the best way to help poor people is by not becoming one of them. Remind yourself that there is no such thing as rich or poor. These are comparative and political terms. Think about a poor person in the UK, say, and then compare them with the lot of a poor person in Africa. You still think you're poor? Brit is poor? Not a bit of it. Remember, you must be the master of money. Never let it master you and drive you. Because if you're chasing after money, you're chasing the wrong bus. Chase after being excellent. Chase after a sense of personal power and control over your circumstances. And make money work for you. Okay, I've got to sign off because my voice is starting to go. I could talk for hours about this stuff because the money game is fascinating and it's fun and it is just a game. When you're handing over tens of thousands of pounds in property deposits, you're actually just upping your stake money into a game. If you do it right, the odds are in your favour. You blunder in there uneducated. The odds are against you. If you don't get in the game, 
you are at massive risk and you cannot possibly win. So I hope this helps you to get your head straight about money. Let me know how you get on and what you do. If thinking about money in this positive way helps you as much as it's helped me, then I'm chuffed. Take what you can from this and feedback to me because I'm listening too. If you do something with money that's really cool, then let me know because I want to learn from you guys as well as just talk. I'm interested in how other people make their tutoring and coaching business work for them, how you do it for you because I realize I don't have all the answers. I just have some answers which work for me and the answers I've stolen and been taught by other people. Do get in touch. It's info at neilcowmeadow.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Follow me on Twitter, where I am, at Tutor Podcast. And that's about wrapping it up for today. Do join me next time on the Tutor Podcast, where we'll talk some more about how to start, grow, and love your tutoring business. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media, and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate, and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow, and love their tutoring businesses.